Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. I wasn't going to say anything, but this morning at prayer, one of the ladies uh, really felt like the Lord had put a word on her heart, Connie, and, and it was awakened. And I'm sitting in the back during worship just like, and it hit me, awakened. <laughs> and, and I saw a couple of you doing the same thing today. So I believe that God is here to awaken us, not just physically, but also in the spirit. So let's just enjoy this morning and uh, see what God's going to do. If you have your, your sword with you, the, the what, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. Right? It's the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, yeah. Is that what it is? I should have you come up here and do the cheer, Mac. No. No? You won't do it? You do anything else? Come on. Show us. I love you, brother. <laughs> yeah. what do you want me to do now? Let's let's sing that song for him. Sing that song with me. The B I B L E. That's the book for me. Alright, you're probably going, well, that's silly. Is it? It is the book. What is Satan trying to wipe out today? The book. What do we read from in every church service? Most church services every Sunday. The book. The B-I-B-L-E. It's God's Word. It's God's standard. It's God's promises. It shows us everything we need to say, everything we need to do, how we need to look, how we need to act. There's nothing missing from this book except you if you're not reading it. Right? So today we're going to bust it open and we're going to start with Revelation. Yeah, can you guys work that out so I can see it in the back? Thank you very much. Start with Revelation chapter 12. Are you ready for this? Let me just say this. This is probably one of the most important passages in the Bible. This thing covers it all. It reveals the beginning, and it shows us what's going to happen all the way up and through the tribulation. So I don't know if you're excited about this, but get excited because this is happening soon. It's coming. I'm reading from the New Living Testament, and that's just one of the versions I really like to use, but hopefully you have a version that you can understand, and, and that's all that really matters. All right, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. What in the world? That's some deep stuff right there. 
By the way, that great significance was my little bold print there. Who is this woman? The chosen. The chosen people of God. It's the people that have carried his message through the Old Testament and then up and into the New Testament. And it's going to be the people that carry that message through and into the tribulation. First the Jew, then the Gentile. How many tribes were there in the Old Testament? Thus, but one of them wasn't counted because of the Levitical thing. So there were 12. How many apostles were there? 12. Do you get where I'm going with this? Do you see the connection? During the tribulation, the redeemed Jews and the Gentiles will be the chosen or the church. The one clothed with the sun is the church in her glory. God is still going to show up during the tribulation. In fact, according to what I read in the Bible, there are going to be more people getting saved than we've seen. A lot of folks are going to give their life to the Lord. The moon beneath her feet is the kingdom of darkness. What did Jesus tell us? John 1, 4-5. The Word gave life to everything that was created. And His life brought what? Light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That's us. Look at your neighbor and say, that's us. Oh, wow. That was the lamest that's us I've ever heard. All right? Maybe that didn't work. Look at this one. You are the light of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the light of the world. Thank you. That's better. Like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. We are that light. And God didn't put us here on this earth so that He could put us under something so nobody could see us. We can't hide in the church, folks. This building cannot contain the light that God has given us. We need to get out there and be the light. Hallelujah! In the same way, He said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise the Heavenly Father. How does our light shine? People see the good that we do. The church is so important today. People are confused. They don't, need, they don't know where to turn. They need the church to guide them. Hallelujah. One more. Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I should just stop there and do a whole message on that. Some of you are saying, yeah, I need to put this one on the refrigerator for my spouse. And we just are habitually arguers and complainers. Right? Don't be that person. So that no one can criticize you, don't complain and argue. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God. And here's the part I want you to see. Shining like bright lights. What does a person look like that's walking in darkness? And what does a person look like that's walking in the light? It'd be like comparing Jen to me. She's the light. You know? That's how I was earlier anyway. 
I'm not proud of it. So Christ's mandate is simple. Lead people into the light, not into the darkness. Some of us have been so good at leading people into the dark. Well, I don't lead people into the dark, really. Do you lead people to Jesus with your life, with the way you live your life? Do you? Because if you're not, hey, let's go to the saloon tonight. That sounds like fun. Let's tie one on, brother. Yeah. Who are you leading them to? The light or the dark? There might be light in the saloon, but that's not the light you're taking them to. Hallelujah. Our mission is to represent the light, and that is Jesus. And all that we say, all that we do, we need to stop just saying church. We need to stop playing church. And we need to be the church. How are we doing with this? Are you the light? If somebody watched you this last week, just think about it. If somebody had watched you all last week, what would they have seen? Would they have had to put their sunglasses on because you shine so bright? Or would they themselves, had, would, maybe they had to turn a flashlight on to see where they were going? Revelation 12, verse 3. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. Here we go. Significant event. That means when God says it, Okay, thank you. Another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. Who do you think the red dragon is? The devil. In fact, this is bore out in verse 9. We'll get there in a minute. Daniel chapter 7 talks about the ten horns who are actually ten kings and they're all in alliance with the Antichrist during the tribulation. The seven heads are seven primary leaders from the ten nations who will also serve the Antichrist during the tribulation. Who do you think the baby is? Jesus. Satan did not want Christ the Messiah to save us. He was waiting right there for her to be born. In fact, in the scriptures it talks about how King Herod, how he tried to kill all the babies in that area. Now, according to history, you won't find anything about him. Some of the religious people of that day did write about it, Listen to this. If everybody, if every boy under two in that region were to have been killed, it probably would have been, and this is just rough guess, eight to 12 boys. Because it wasn't a very big community. Bethlehem wasn't very big. So the fact that it's not mentioned, there were other very important things going on back then. The fact that it wasn't mentioned is probably more to do with the fact that there were so, so few boys who were affected by this. Now that town would have been rocked, right? But you're not going to see this in the history books. But the Bible talks about it, and I believe it happened. And obviously, they didn't find Jesus. 
Satan couldn't get a hold of him. All right. Revelation chapter, or verse 5. Here we go. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. Again, who is this? Jesus. Psalm 2, 9 through 10. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. Again, most scholars believe this was Jesus. After his death, his burial, his resurrection, what happened? He was taken up to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father where he intercedes there for us yet today. Thank God for the prayers of Jesus. Thank God he makes intercession for us. He loves us that much. 1 Peter 3.22 talks about this a little bit more. Verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness. Here's where, where I want you to really see what's going on here. Where God had prepared a place to care for her 1,260 days. What happens, what other event happens in 1,260 days? tribulation all right so we're talking about half of this seven-year period this is the part where we don't want to be there we don't want to be at the beginning half but we don't want to be there for the second half of the tribulation because it is going to be ugly so much so that the woman who represents the jews the chosen people will have to flee into the wilderness to be saved. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 24, verses 15 to 31. I'll get into that a little bit later. After the Antichrist is revealed, once he sets himself up in the temple as God, he is going to wage an all-out war against Jerusalem. He's going to try to kill every one of them. But God had a plan long before this event took place. And it was a plan to redeem His chosen people. They're going to be divinely protected as God leads them into the desert. Revelation 12, verse 7. Then there was war in heaven. What? Then there was war in heaven. You know there's going to be a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. It, it's discussed that Michael is the key protector of Jerusalem, of the Jewish people. And the dragon, of course, lost the battle. And he, gave his, and, he and his angels were what? Forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So verse 9 tells us who this dragon is. It's Satan. It's the deceiver of the whole world. And he was thrown down to the earth. Now, I always thought this war was the war that took place when Lucifer, the main worship leader in heaven, decided he wanted God's spot. He wanted to take the place of God on the throne. Of course, we know that didn't bode well for Satan. And he and a third of the angels were booted out of heaven way back in the beginning before all this stuff started happening here on this earth. 
So that was the first battle. This is the second one. And I thought, there were two battles in heaven? I didn't realize this. But this one was short-lived because God already knows he's victorious. Remember in uh, Zechariah 3, 1 and 2, I think I've... Then the angel showed me Yeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. That's my highlight. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Yeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebukes you. So here we see in Zechariah that God has this audience every now and then with Lucifer, with Satan, with the devil. And what is he doing? God, how can you let them do what they're doing? You kicked me out of heaven just because I wanted to take your place. Can you imagine what God must have to put up? I don't understand this necessarily. I wish I understood it more, but this much I know, the Bible says it happened. He is the accuser, and he has audience with God on occasion. After this war, Satan's going to be kicked out of heaven or the third realm for good. No longer is he going to be able to go to God and... And what do you think Satan's going to feel like then? The Bible says he's going to be really, really angry because he's no longer going to have God's ear and he's going to realize his end is near. 2 Peter 2.4 God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. Revelation 12, verse 10 to 12 reiterates this. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ or Messiah. It's coming to an end, finally, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Satan never stops. He never stops. He's up there right now telling God how wicked we are. Satan, the accuser. First, he accuses us before God. Just as he did in the book of Job. Chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 describes Satan as the accuser. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. And he answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Now he's not omniscient. He's not everywhere. He's not omnipresent. He doesn't know everything going on, nor is he every place. But apparently he moves around pretty good. Watching you and me. Are we letting our light shine or the darkness? Are we giving him evidence to condemn us? Are we showing him that the blood-bought, born-again believers who are 
filled with God's Holy Spirit are more than able to walk through this life righteously in victory. I can only imagine what God must have listened to, what He continues to listen to. But understand this, that day is coming to a close soon. Number two, Satan accuses our conscience. You can be the most righteous person in this room, and he'll still mess with you. He will try to convince you that you're nothing, that you're lost, that you're broken, and we are, but God's put us back together with his blood, with his power. Can I get an amen? A lot of people have given up because they listened to that weaselly voice. You don't really love God. You just say you do. Yeah? Anybody else hear that? You know, you should just end it right here. I'm appalled. I'm shocked. I'm broken by how many young people give up and take their own lives. Apparently, they don't know the truth. Because if they did, they wouldn't do that. Don't let Satan convince you otherwise. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you're blood-bought and born again, you are safe. And no matter what he tries to plant in your head, it's a lie. Would you say that with me? It's a lie. Hallelujah. Some good scriptures. Be on your guard. Stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around. What's he doing? He doesn't run and jump in front of you, run and go, ah, here I am. No, he's sneaky. Ron's never going to sit in the front row again. I noticed Clarence moved over here. But you must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. What? Resist him. What does that mean? Agree that you're not going to do what he tries to put in your head, the nonsense that he tries to put in your head. Oh, wouldn't you like to go do that again? No! I don't want to sin. I don't need to sin. It's under the blood. I'm free from it. Hallelujah! And he finishes with, you know that all over the world the Lord's followers are suffering just as you are. Which just tells me that Satan is out there meddling in everybody's business trying to convince us that we're lost, but we're not. And then one final, ooh, one final warning is Ephesians 6, 10 and 11. Final word, he said, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. He uses strategies. He watches you. 
He analyzes you and He determines in His own mind what is going to trip you up. And if you want to stay strong, you need to be praying, you need to be putting on that, that armor, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. You need to walk in the gospel shoes of peace. You need to put your helmet of salvation on. You need to lift up that sword of the Spirit. And, I might not be saying them in order, I know I'm not. And the shield of faith which quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. You need to put that on. Spiritually. Every day. We're at war. You are at war. Even if you're not a Christian yet, you are at war. Satan wants you dead just as much as anybody else because the potential is in you. And that's what he wants to kill is the potential. Woo! You have nothing to fear from the accuser if you've given your life to Jesus. I love this. Just listen to this. There's no slide behind me. This is the Amplified Romans 8, 33-39. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Say, that's us. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies us? That is, who puts us in right relationship to Himself. Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those who God has chosen? Will God, who acquits us? Question mark. Uh-uh. Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as He intercedes for us? No! Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? No! Even as it is written, for thy sake, we are put to death all day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through Him who loved us. Last little part here. For I am persuaded, beyond doubt, am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things impending and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth or anything else in all creation would be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Write that down. Not the whole thing. Romans 8, 33-39. Put that address somewhere and go back and reflect on it. Listen, if he's been lying to you, if you've been convinced that you're condemned, go back and read this. Who are you going to believe? The devil or God's Word? Hallelujah. I think I'm going to get excited. The accuser is muted when the blood of the Son of God is applied to our sins. The heavenly court will say, not guilty, as long as you have received 
the free gift of salvation. It's available to everyone that's breathing. Verse 11 to 12. And they have defeated Him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. We're going to go back to that. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time left. What defeats Satan? You must be born again. You must be. When you apply the blood to your sinful life, God pronounces you not guilty. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. And His shed blood. Second, we defeat Him with our testimony. Now I took the time, I just wrote this down. Merriam-Webster defines testimony as a solemn declaration usually made orally by a witness under oath in response to interrogation by a lawyer or authorized public official. That's the, that's the technical term. But there's another one. It's an open acknowledgement of what somebody's done for you. It's a public profession of a religious experience. When we do water baptism, that's a public confession of your faith in Jesus. You're saying to the world, I am born again and I live for Jesus. And no weapon formed against me will prosper. For greater is he that is in this man than he that is in this world. Glory to God. We are more than conquerors. We have the victory. Why don't we look like it? Why don't we look like it? First John 5, 4 and 5. For every, every child of God defeats this evil world. Say that. Every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith and we, we have hammered this topic of faith lately. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is what? The evidence of things hoped for, the, the substance of things the evidence of things not seen. Yeah, I had them backwards. I am a little dyslexic. Thank you. We have to have faith. Do you see God? Do you see Him moving in your life? But is He really there? No, He's not. It's all in your mind. Get under my feet. The devil's under my feet. Don't start me on that, Karen. <laughs> Hallelujah. The latter part of this chapter, 1 John 5, 11 and 12, this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. This life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have 
life. Your testimony is the life God has given you. Got life? Got life? Honestly, it doesn't get any more basic than this. The church has turned this into something that's outrageously complex, and it's not. Is it? When you give your life to Jesus, you immediately get a little spiritual card that says, God changed me. I'm different now. I'm not the same person I was. The old man's dead. The new man is alive and well. And your life, your testimony, what people, the evidence people see in your life is your testimony. There's a court battle going on in the third realm, in heaven. Satan is accusing God's people of breaking his laws. But soon that's going to come to an end. And every time he brings up your name or mine, God rebukes them and says, hey, they're under the blood. They're under the blood. They're under the blood. My son died for them. They're under the blood. No longer, thanks be to God, no longer are we under the curse of the law. Capital L. Big L. Galatians 3.13. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Written in, it is written in the Scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham so that we are believers, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit. We're not under a curse. If you are, you, you have submitted yourself to the lie. You've been redeemed by the blood. Would you say that? I'm redeemed by the blood. And if you need to take it out a little further, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Meaning Jesus. You're not under the curse anymore. Don't listen to Him. Don't listen to that voice. You want to carry something of value in your Christian tool belt? Carry this passage. First, that you are declared free from the law. I am free, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Then whenever the accuser accuses you, just remind him of this fact. I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. Where are you going, by the way? Remind him. Second, Carry your testimony. That is the evidence that God has not only redeemed you from the curse of the law and certain death, but He's filled you with His precious Spirit as a, a testament to His love for you. It's a sign. It's a seal. So everybody knows you're God's. 
You hear somebody belt out in tongues, that's not just somebody moving in the de- by the devil's nudge. That's God moving in them. And it's scriptural. I thank God for the prophecies, the utterances in tongues. I thank the Lord for moving and counting us worthy to hear from Him directly. Thank you, Brother Roger, for sharing the interpretation, not that it had anything to do with you other than you had to be faithful and willing. When people see the Holy Spirit moving, what are they going to say? Who? What was that? It's God! You need it too! You need His Spirit! You won't be alone anymore! You'll be filled with the power from on high. Then when He comes around trying to kick your butt and eat your lunch later on, you can say, get behind me, Satan! Hallelujah. Read this with me. Romans 8, 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Who owns you? Don't answer me this time. Who owns you? Who owns you? What testimony are you giving to people? Is your light shining? Or are you serving the wrong master? Only you can answer that. If you're serving the wrong master, if you're not blood-bought, born again, hear this. When the church goes up, And it's going to go up when Jesus takes us home. You're still here. I'm telling you right now, it isn't going to be pretty. We just read what's going to happen. Satan is coming back in a fury, angry, because he's been booted out of heaven, and there's only one bunch of people that he wants to destroy because they're a result. God's chosen. So, Let's say, during the seven-year tribulation, you decide, hey, I wasn't born again before, but I'm going to get born again now. And okay, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, make me a new person. Boom, you are. But now you get to live through seven years of hell. Now, I've said this before, not everybody agrees with this. Some feel we're going to be midway through. Three and a half years, we're going to go to heaven. Others all the way through. I believe it's the beginning part. In the assemblies of God, that's what we believe. We're going to be redeemed. We're going to be taken up. And we are not going to have to go through the persecution that's going to arise from the seven-year tribulation. I spent a lot of time on that in earlier messages. 12.12 Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. Ha! Ah, that's going to be us. Rejoice! Again I say rejoice! And you who live in the heavens rejoice! But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. Whoo! Those who remain on the earth are going to see a fierce battle between light and dark. 
We can already see this in our nation. We're divided right down the middle. Do you agree? Some would say, well, are you saying those people over there are, are in the dark? Pretty much. So are you saying all Republicans on the right are in the light? Nope. But I am saying that those who live for Jesus and fight for righteousness and are blood-bought, born again, are. Are there Democrats that are saved? I hope so. I hope so. But I'm not talking politics here. I'm talking light and dark. This nation is divided. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. And I already talked about this. The woman is the line of Christ. The Jewish people who brought Christ into this earth through Mary, the virgin, inseminated by God, the Holy Spirit. Because of that event, Satan hates this child and hates the line from where he came. And he's going to go after the Jews with a vengeance just as he's done throughout history. Verse 14, but she, Israel, was given two wings. Wings always represent protection and deliverance. Like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. This is what I was talking about earlier. She's going to have to flee to the desert. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and a half a time. That's three and a half years, just in case you didn't know that which is the time of the last half of the tribulation. Hallelujah. At the midpoint of the tribulation, after three and a half years, Satan is going to set himself up in the holy temple, at which time the Jews will be forced to leave the holy city, or what we call the holy city. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 He, Satan, will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. He tried this before. He should know better. He lost the first time. He's losing again. Matthew 24 and I, I shared this earlier already, but this is the event that Jesus was talking about in this passage. The day is coming when you'll see what Daniel the prophet spoke of, the sacrilegious object, and this is Jesus talking here, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration, standing in the holy place. Again, this is Satan setting himself up in the temple in Jerusalem during the middle part of the tribulation. Then those in Judea. Again, this is Israel must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not even return to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Who celebrates the Sabbath? The Jews. We celebrate on the Lord's Day. 
For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will be so great, it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Scripture is harmonious. Jesus knew long before John ever got or was told to write down the book of Revelation, Jesus knew what was going to happen. This passage talks about it. They all line up. It's going to be hell like we've never seen before. And there's only one way out. Confess your sins. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm almost done. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. This could be a literal sea. I don't know. We don't know. Or it could be a demonically charged army. In other words, somehow he influences them and convinces them to go after them. Kind of like Pharaoh and his army. Verse 16, But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. Again, God either opens the earth up to divert the water, or he destroys the enemy army. Whichever, it doesn't matter. God takes care of it, right? And verse 17, And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. It's exactly what I've been saying. He hates God's people. I like how Ron Rhodes put this. I want to quote him in his, his book, 40 Days Through Revelation. He said, and I quote, in his Satan's perverted thinking, Satan may reason that if he can destroy the Jews, he can prevent the second coming of Christ and save himself from defeat, end quote. Is he that dumb? I can't imagine it, but maybe he is. For whatever reason, he's desperate and he's going to try to destroy God's people during this period of time. Of course, the Lord is going to come just before they're annihilated. And the war, the battle of Armageddon is going to take place. We'll get into that more as we proceed in the later chapters. But understand this. God is in control. He's not losing control. Satan is defeated. He's already been defeated. It just has to be manifested. But he's still out there meddling. He's still out there causing our friends and our neighbors and our families to turn away from God. Let our light shine. Let them see your testimony, that living testimony that breathes or exudes Christ. Let them see what God's done in your life. How many can say, God has changed me, the person I used to be, I am no more. And honestly, if you were all the heathen that I think some of you used to be, they're probably really going, wow, what happened? And if you're not there yet, get hold of this. Get hold of Jesus. Go to the cross. Ask forgiveness. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Wow. Would you stand? There was one last verse in the NLT. You can see it behind me. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. Now, interesting, some of the translations actually move this to verse 1 of chapter 13, so it's not a big deal, but just wanted to point that out. If you don't have that particular verse in chapter 12, it most likely is in chapter 13. Would you agree with me, Satan is real? Be on your guard. Stay awake. This is the CEV. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around trying to find someone to attack. But you must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. You know that all over the world the Lord's followers are suffering just as you. A little clearer interpretation, perhaps. Stay on your guard. Stay awake. This isn't the day to fall into a slumber, Christian. This is the day to stay on your guard, stay awake, stay alert. The church needs you. People need you. They need you to be strong, not weak. They need to see your light shining. Last night, my son and I were out on a lake, and it was absolutely beautiful. We could see all kinds of stars and airplanes and we think a couple satellites in God's heavens. And in that darkness, we would turn our spotlight on because there were a couple times we had a few incidents. Like when I didn't realize that I thought I'd cleared all the... You know, when you're driving a a speedboat at 11 o'clock at night and you're doing about 20 and you don't realize that you're going to go through a bunch of uh, tall grass again, Troy was in the front seat, and, and they just started whipping him. Like, Dad, Dad! He thought we were hitting shore. Am I saying it kind of correctly? More or less. I couldn't see a thing, to be honest. It was dark. And then we got the floodlight out. Then we could see. In that darkness, that thing illuminated all the reeds that we had apparently ended up in the middle of by now. Thankfully, it didn't hurt my boat, the motor. Didn't hurt Troy. He thought he was going to die. He he said, I thought thought we were going to hit shore, Dad. And we didn't. But that light showed us where we were, and then we knew where we had to go. Are you with me? That's how we need to be. People need to see the light in the darkness. And as they take our lead, we lead. As they take our lead, it will lead them where they need to go. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Got life. Let's start there. If you're here today, See, Pastor Norm, I've been, I've been a screwball. I've been ignoring God's call. I've been letting Satan have his way with me for too long. And today, I want to make a confession of faith. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. 
I want to begin to live for him. If that's you, with every head bowed, eyes closed, just lift your hand up so I can see it real quick. Yep, yep. Anybody else? You put them down if you've already raised them. Anybody else? But you just want to get down on this prayer. All right. The second part. We have a church full of spotlights in this room. But I believe the Holy Spirit is asking this question. Why do you keep it off? Why is your light off? You need to turn your light on. You need to be more visible to people. Letting them know who you serve, that you love me, that you love Jesus, that you want to live your life for Him. Your family and friends and neighbors and coworkers and fellow students need to see this. But you have not turned the light on. And the Holy Spirit is saying today, you recognize right now that this is you. And He wants you to lift your hand because He's going to do something in your life today. If that's you, you've not been turning your light on like you should. Hallelujah. Thank you. Your hand's going up all over the room. Father God, we humbly come to You today recognizing that without Jesus we would be lost. But according to Your marvelous, wonderful Word, the B-I-B-L-E, Lord, we know that if we come to You and accept what Jesus did on that cross, that tree where He was cursed, He took the curse of the law on Himself, He took our sins on Himself, and if we apply the blood of Jesus to our lives, if we ask forgiveness, that You will forgive us, and our sins will be as far as the east is from the west, You will no longer count them against us. And Lord, it's my prayer right now for every saint that raised their hand for salvation today, that changed their life, that You would indeed get a hold of them and change them. The old man is now going to be dead. The new man has come. Now if that's You, I want You to say this, and I'd ask all the saints here to say it with me. Father God, forgive me of my sins. Make me a new person in Jesus. Amen. Now start living for Him. Let Him do what only He can do in your life. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, we just happen to have a little booklet you could take with us called The Start of Something Wonderful, The New Life. The guys will have it in the back. Grab it if you don't already have it and read it and go through your Bible and begin to understand what it means to live for Jesus. Now the rest of you folks, you're already born again, I'm hoping. You need to turn that light on. Lift your hands. Father, begin to pour a supernatural boldness into this church, into this people. Lord, either physically here or even through our podcast, Lord, we pray right now that you would just begin to fill us afresh and anew. Give us a courage. I pray we would roar like a lion, just like Jesus does, Lord. We have Jesus in us. Help us to roar like a lion and not to be intimidated by the tactics of the enemy. Help us to be bold and to get out there and to proclaim what God has done for us, to share our testimony, to lead people to Jesus, to the cross, to salvation and forgiveness of sin. And Lord, when we get them there, help us to disciple them. 
I pray that we take our fingers off the off button and put it on. I pray people would see us for who we are. We are living beings, redeemed, saved from the curse of the law. And we have so much to be thankful for. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when we die or when you take the church to heaven, Lord, our name's going to be there. Norm, come on in. Ron, come on in. Margie, come on in. Shane, come on in. Each one of us that have confessed Jesus as Lord. That's our testimony. Let's take it to the streets. Can I get a witness? Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for everything you're doing in this church. Keep us safe in our coming and our going. Those who are willing, Lord, to help this afternoon, who are able, remind them they need to be in the children's room in just a minute so that we can uh, get our team out there to clean this highway. Also, if you have sensed where God wants you to get plugged in, get out there and sign up. I'd like to see every one of those forms filled out, at least to some degree. So. We love you. Thank you for being here today. And I hope that this message ministers to you all week. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at gaylorchurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.